you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Today's title is Run to Everywhere You Go. I'm serious. Open up with me to one place today. John chapter 4, verse 3. It says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So Jesus had been with his disciples, with John the Baptist. People were baptizing people, and now it's time for him to move on. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So all it is is like this. He was in Victorville and needed to go to Apple Valley, but he had to go through Hesperia. He's just on his way to where the next place is for him to go. And that's what it is for us, is that everywhere we go, there we are. I mean, there really is some basic stuff in life, though, right? We get up in the morning, we get ready, we go to work. We get up in the morning, we get ready, we go to school. We go do whatever those things are that we have to do. This is just a regular occurrence for Jesus. He's just leaving Judea to go to Galilee and has to go through Samaria. So let's see the same for us every day. What are the normal things that we're doing? Because everywhere we go, there we are, right? Everywhere we go, we're there for a reason. Jesus was just on his way to his next destination. Verse 5 says, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, jo now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus is just starting a conversation with the woman. It's a little bit weird because it's the middle of the day and she's coming to the well. It's probably hot out. This is probably not when a lot of other people are coming to the well. So picture it. He sits down by the well. No one's there. And then up comes one woman. And he says, give me a drink. Because Jesus has eyes to see. Wherever he is, his eyes are open, and he is looking for whatever the Father tells him to do. He is looking for whoever the Father tells him to look for. So in that same way, Jesus says to us today, have eyes to see, because everywhere you go, I've sent you there. Everywhere you go, there you are. Have eyes to see in the midst of these regular occurrences what I'm getting ready to do with you. We have to be intentional with this. Otherwise, people just fly right by us. Opportunities fly right by us. We have to be intentional to have eyes to see like Jesus saw. 
So Jesus is sitting at the well. The woman comes up. We'll pick it up in verse 8 and just says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, this is important. It's not typical for Jesus to have this kind of interaction with this Samaritan woman. It was typical for Jews and Samaritans to be together, to do business together, to know each other, but to share a watering pot, to share a vessel, to share something that they would eat with or drink from was absolutely not what the Jews would do. If you read all the way back to King 17, you find out why this is important. How it, because I don't know about anyone else, but I know for me, I'm picturing Israel, the whole nation of Israel, but there's this area called Samaria where the Jews don't participate in life with them. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Is anyone with me? It doesn't make any sense. Why is there this area of people that Jews who are all around in the rest of Israel, it's right there in, the, in Israel, don't share their life with? Second Kings tells us why. Second Kings 17 tells us that the Assyrians came to Israel, took the people in the area of Samaria captive, and took them out of Samaria. And then the Assyrians took over Samaria. But then, when they released the Israelites to go back to that area, to Samaria, some of the Assyrians didn't leave. So Samaritans are people who come from Assyrians and Jews, who got married and had kids together. So now we see why this matters. And now we see why it's so important to read our Bibles all the time. And the more that we read and the more that we read and the more that we become familiar with it and say, wait, I heard something about this over here. This doesn't make any sense. Let me look at those notes right in between the two columns of my pages, right, that tell me to look at other verses. That's there to help you. It's such a tool. But it's so good to read it over and over and find out why all of this matters. Because we can fly right by a Samaritan woman at a well and just think, well, it's because she's a woman. It's not just because she's a woman, it's because she's a Samaritan. She's part Jew, she's part Assyrian. And Jews do not participate in life with Samaritans in this way. So Jesus is seeing a person that's not like him. He's seeing a person that he probably wouldn't normally, well, we probably wouldn't normally go after, right? We tend to like people who look like us. We tend to like people who live in the same neighborhoods as us. We tend to like people who like the same things as us. But Jesus says you have to have eyes to see everyone because there are people all around you who are different than you but need me just as much as you need me. I know how much I need Jesus. And there are people all around me who need him just like I need him. And they don't always look like me. 
Jesus doesn't stay away from hard things. In fact, he probably runs to hard things. He runs into hard situations. He runs into tough conversations. He runs into conversations with people who don't look like him, people who are tax collectors, people who are prostitutes. Didn't people have a big problem with him for hanging out with people that didn't look like him? The Bible tells us that. But those are the people that Jesus is telling us to look for. He's telling us to look for the people that aren't like us. It's easy to see the people that look like us. It's easy to see the people that are like us. But those that aren't like us, we have to be intentional to open up our eyes and see them. So like Jesus, run to those hard things. Run to those hard conversations. Run to the things that the Lord is calling you to that look hard. It might be challenging. But God, if God tells you to do it, if he tells you to go to it, and you listen and you do it, you'll have success. We're reading about that in our Saul Life reading plan right now. Moses had success, even though it didn't always look like it. Even though he went to the Pharaoh with all the power that God had given him, God had prepped him for it, and the Pharaoh said, no, that doesn't look right. But God said, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to harden his heart on purpose so that when I release my people, it's glorious and it's grand and it's huge and there is no question for the, until the end of time about who did this. So just because it looks hard doesn't mean that it's not right. Just because it looks like it's not working doesn't mean that it's not right. Follow the Lord and know what the Lord is saying so that in those hard times, you can press through and you can know, no, I know that God's got this on the other side. It's not all running through flowers, fields and fields of flowers. But it can feel like it even if it's hard. Run to those people that aren't like you, just like Jesus did. He ran to those people that weren't like him. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without law, as without law. So Paul says, you have to make yourself like other people in a way where you can relate to them and they can relate back to you. We're not talking about compromise. We're not going to compromise what the Bible tells us to do. But we have to be willing to go to people that aren't like us. We have to be willing to go to people who make us uncomfortable. I have people in my life that make me uncomfortable. I still have to go to them and find a way to find common ground to have a conversation with them. We're all in the same boat together. 
So let's go back to John 4, verse 10. So Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is just beginning to reveal this truth to her. He's starting a conversation with her, and he's beginning to reveal piece by piece something that she can understand. Just one step at a time. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you go to get that living water? You're greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you hear it? He's just giving her more and more and more. Are we actually talking about water that I'm going to take a drink of? What is happening? Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She says, I hear you. I want what you say. I want what you're trying to give me. But it still is like, how do I get this water? What is this water really? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And so now we can see she's ready for more. She's ready for a deeper revelation of what's really happening here of what Jesus is really doing, because there's no way that he knows anything about her. She's a stranger to him. Remember, he, he's just walking through Samaria and sat down at a well, and this lady showed up. And now all of a sudden he can say to her, go call your husband and come here. He doesn't know anything about her. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. He knows something about her that he can't know. He's revealing to her who God is by using a gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given him in this moment. He's using a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit has given him to know something about this woman that there's no way he could have known. And what that does is it shows her, you're not a normal guy. I've never known anyone like this. So then she says, verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. So she's getting closer. She's getting closer to understanding what they're talking about and what's going to happen. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's downloading all of this information to her, causing her to understand who he is 
And we're talking about salvation. We're talking about you need more than this life that your living has to offer you. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who, you, I who speak to you am he. So that's it. He finalizes it. I'm the one that you're talking about. Do you see how this conversation happens? It just, there's just this common ground that we can find till we can start talking about something. And step by step, piece by piece, we dig a little bit deeper into the conversation, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Her understanding grows. She's receiving what he's saying. And so now he can say, I'm the Messiah. So I'm the one that you're talking about. Because now she's ready to hear all of it. She is fully receiving. And then verse 27 comes. And at this point, his disciples come back and they marvel that he's talking with a woman. But no one said to him, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? But they're marveling that he's talking to a woman. They have no idea what's happening. It's almost like other Christians come in the room and think that you're a little bit bonkers for what you're doing. Why does it seem like I'm the only one here that like this makes any sense to? How can I be surrounded by other Christians who just walk and say, what are you doing with this woman? Why are you talking to her? Why are you talking to that drug dealer? Why are you talking to this guy that just grows a bunch of pot? No, don't you see what's really happening here? So what happens when Christians around me think that this is crazy? When they don't understand what's happening? We have to be confident to know that everywhere we go, there we are. I'm looking for somebody everywhere I go. Walking through the parking lot of the grocery store. Like, it could be anything. It could be anywhere. Because when I am, and then I see that person, and I follow this, and then I know, no, this is a conversation that's of the Lord. So when other people come around and they just even just don't get what's happening or think, you know, it's, it's weird for you to be standing in the parking lot of Winco at 6.30 in the morning talking to somebody. No, I know why I'm there. So have confidence when people around you don't really understand what you're doing. They're going to see it and they're going to follow you. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She responded to Jesus. And in that same way, we can expect people to respond to Jesus. Amen. She left her water pot. This word left in the Greek is a fee. A me, a fia me. It means to neglect, forsake, to leave alone. She forsook what she was there for. She didn't just set her water pot down because she didn't want to carry it. She didn't just set her water pot down so Jesus could fill it up and have a drink while she went back to the town 
to get some people and bring them back. This is a symbol of forsaking all. I'm leaving this here. I'm forsaking it. I'm done with it. I'm going to go get some more people and bring them back here with me. See that people will forsake all. Even in this one simple moment, she forsook all and left and went to get others to come back with her. Verse 30, then they went out of the city and they came to him. So these guys are listening to her. They're coming back to the well. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What is your food? What is that thing that drives you? What is that thing that nourishes you, that strengthens you, that gives you life? Is it doing the will of the Father? That was Jesus' food, was to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus has been trained up in this. We read that when he was 12 and his family went to Jerusalem, his parents left and for a couple of days didn't notice that he wasn't with them when they were on their way home. How does that even happen? So they go back to look for him, look high and low, look everywhere. And there he is at 12 years old in the temple. And he's like, of course I'm here. I must be about my father's business. Like, you didn't expect that this is where I was? You didn't come right back to this spot? Because of course this is where I am. This is what Jesus does. He is after the Father. He is after doing what the Father says. His food is to do the will of him who sent him. I want that to be my food. I want that to be the thing that like, right, you wake up in the morning hungry and what do you look forward to? Breakfast. Breakfast. (laughs) Who was that? Biscuits and gravy. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, said Jesus. This is the thing that I look forward to. This is the thing that I need in the day. This is the thing that keeps me going. This is the thing that I long for. When I wake up in the middle of the night, it's not for a bowl of cereal. It's for the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. So what's your food? What's my food? What am I longing for? What are we going after? The will of the Father. To run the race that he has given us. You know, the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, he prepared good works that you should walk in them. He prepared your race from the foundation of the world. Before you were thought of by your parents, he knew you and he had a plan for you. And he said, I've laid all this out for you. 
the love of the Father who knows you and calls you by name has laid out a race for you. We just follow his race and run his race. Verse 35 says, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So again, we see that we have to have eyes to see. And even not just to see, but to lift up our eyes. To lift them up high and look. Sometimes I find myself when I'm thinking about things like going over a list of things that I have to do in the day, whatever. When I walk, I'm looking at the ground. I didn't run into anything. I don't have any idea what's happening around me. Unless it's one of my children that's here or lower. Like, I don't know that you exist. Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Get out of yourself. Lift up your eyes and see. The fields are already white for harvest. We have to pay attention and look for it. And when we do, we will see it. People say, oh no, we're, the, the plants are still growing. It's not time to harvest. It's hard when you're not a farmer to understand this. It's like, it's not tumbleweed season yet. <laughs> it's fine, I can drive down the street in safety. There's no tumbleweeds out yet. No, it, that's the wrong analogy. But right, we get that. We get tumbleweeds. It says, no, the time is now. It's already white for harvest. Verse 36 says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Yes. May rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored. And you will enter into their labors. Do you get that? Somebody else has already done all the work. You just get to step in, snip the rose off the bush, and put it in the vase. That was the easy part. And then you get to rejoice together with those who labored and those who worked. We will reap even where we did not sow. We will get to step out and we will get to reap where others have labored. Sowing and reaping is a team effort. They go hand in hand. They have to go hand in hand. Genesis 8.22 tells us about this law of sowing and reaping. It's after Noah builds the ark, after the earth is flooded, now all of the waters have subsided, and God makes a covenant with creation and says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. God established sowing and reaping 
as a natural law on the earth. And we see that he takes those natural laws and shows us supernatural principles with them. It's guaranteed that if you sow, you will reap. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 tells us, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So we're not just talking about sowing and reaping in the natural things of the earth, but we see that God does take that natural law and give us a supernatural principle to live by. Sowing and reaping. We are guaranteed to reap. Doesn't that seem encouraging that we are guaranteed to reap? It makes it seem a little bit easier to talk to somebody. A little bit easier to know that God told me to see you today. And I know that I'm going to reap. It's guaranteed. Gives you a different mindset when you step into that. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for, our, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So there was a change in these people. She went to them and told them, and they came back. They believed what she was saying, and they came back. But once they had heard for themselves, once they came to Jesus, and they heard for themselves, there was an increased belief that they had that was able to carry through. And all of this... Because of one woman at a well. All this because Jesus stopped for a drink. When no one should have been there. And when someone showed up, he saw her. Not just an opportunity, but he saw her. Jesus will bring us people, but we have to see them. We have to see them. We have to see their circumstance. We have to see the love that they need. Not just opportunities, but seeing people that just like you and me, God created, created in his image, in the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Every single person. There are many people ready for a conversation. There are many people that God has placed in our path, going to wherever we're going to in our daily lives, in our regular routines. So let's see them. Let's be cautious to see people who are different than us, 
people that we wouldn't normally be drawn to. This is a whole different realm of noticing and of seeing. And we have to do it. Romans 10 tells us, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? If we don't tell them, how can they ever know? How can they ever know if we don't share, if we don't tell? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad, who bring glad tidings of good things. How precious are your feet who bring glad tidings of good things. You have goodness with you everywhere you go. We have light with us everywhere we go. All because one woman was transformed at the well. And because she was able to hear Jesus, she immediately left everything and went and brought others back with her. I believe that we will see these kinds of things in the desert. I believe that there will be like pockets of these kinds of events happening. I don't think that it's every single time, but I think that there will be identified Times where from a single weird moment with a person. Like, I don't know what else to call it, right? But it's like, this wasn't planned for. This is odd. But from that one interaction, that person is going to go and tell their neighborhood They're going to go and tell everyone at work. They're going to go and tell groups of people. God loves me. I met this person that told me things about me that there's no way they could have known. This person that loved me in a way that I've never been loved before. These Christians actually love us. They accept us. That's what this shows. And it's because God has loved us so beautifully that we're able to extend his love to other people through us. So can we be mindful this week? And in the weeks to come and in the days to come and in the life to come. Because this is something that Jesus did. He had eyes to see everywhere he went. He was constantly seeing people that weren't like him. Constantly seeing people who were different than him. And bringing them into the kingdom with him. And that same power, that same love, that same compassion that Jesus has, he has given to all of us 
to express that to the world around us. So as we finish up today, I want to ask you guys to take a moment to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I've got regular routines during the day. Would you reveal to me what you want me to do in the midst of those routines? Things that might even look like they're messing up my routine. Sometimes it's when your routine is actually messed up that it positions you for an interaction with someone that you wouldn't normally come into contact with. Sometimes when it takes longer than usual to do your hair and you leave for work a few minutes later and then you have to stop and get gas and you're like, man, I'm like cutting it close. That's when a conversation happens. That's when you're like pumping the gas and you're looking at this person like next to you and you're like, Like, I've got to talk to them. What in the world is this, like, drawing that God has put here in me? So we've got to take those moments and give them to the Lord and allow him to do his work through us. Allow him to speak through us and move through us and love through us to show his love to everyone around us. So let's all take a moment individually before the Lord. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. You can look up to the heavens, to your Father, and out of your own mouth. Take a moment to thank him for loving you. Thank you for even giving me, Father, the ability to love. Because without your love, I could do nothing. And ask him in your routines and in your days to help you to see, help you to open your eyes to the people that he has set before you, to the people that he will even bring to you, just like this woman at the well came to Jesus. He didn't even have to go looking for her. She just showed up where he was. And then in that moment, Father, I'm going to need your help. I don't know what to say. Would you speak through me? If I'll be bold enough to just open my mouth, will you please fill it with words to say? Because sometimes I don't know what to say to people. But I know that you always know. And God, I make myself available to you. To be used by you. Holy Spirit, I'm here and I'm wide open to you. To use me. Let your gifts flow through me. Your power your words of wisdom, your words of knowledge, miracles, whatever it is that you have for these moments. I make myself available to you, Lord.
The Lord will give you what you ask for. He'll give us what we ask for. And so be confident knowing that you don't have to be a creep. You don't have to act creepy. This doesn't have to be creepy. It might feel a little bit funny to you on the inside, but chances are everything seems perfectly normal to the other person. God can make it so easy for us, and he will make it so easy for us. So before we leave, let's stand up. I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you pray over us in a second, but I want you to notice something. So we're here in John 4. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman now says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. As she said, this was a problem. This was problematic for her. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's giving her a clue that... Your time has now arrived, and it doesn't have to be like this. And it's not just the Jews only that are going to receive this salvation and receive all of me. And he's letting her, he's cluing her in first. Amazing. Okay, then she goes back. And there's this whole thing that happens now. She says, I don't want to come here to draw the water anymore. Give me the water that you got, right? And then we don't ever hear anything about her situation again. But, what happens? She comes back with the whole town, and she brings them to their deliverance, and now they're all in Christian community together, and now her coming to the, the well is not a problem anymore, because they're all together, and they found the light, they found the answer, they're all together. Her problem is solved automatically. She says, give me the water. He says, okay, this is what you do. He spoke into her it triggered her testimony she went and told it got the people brought them back they got saved essentially i know not technically but essentially right and now her problem is also solved because she was so struck by what jesus was intending to do she even kind of put herself aside went to these people who were terrible to her likely for whatever her past was, why she was drawing water in the middle of the day, she put herself aside, went after them to a, an uncomfortable situation. And Jesus fixed everything. Mm -hmm. Not one fly remained. Mm -hmm. Is that incredible? Yes. And this is what God is calling you to right now. Some, we so often use us the verbiage us and we say that because it is us it's every bit her and me as it is you we, we may have an anointing to preach it but not to live it we have to work through that same as you so that winco 6 30 in the morning thing that's us too you know when it takes me longer to do my hair in the morning and, and then you know you got to get the guy it's, it's all it's the same mostly <laughs> you get what i'm saying yeah now 
So we are commissioning you to do that. Don't, don't, don't get lost in the us and in the we. Because if it's just we, someone else will always do it in your mind. Someone else will always do it and no one will get it done. I'm commissioning you to do it. She's commissioning you to do it. And right now, I want you to pray over us all a blessing that all of our stuff is taken care of. We're, we're taken care of automatically by the Lord, just as He does when we are outwardly focused and not just self-seeking. Can you pray over us? Thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that your word is living and powerful and that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has pierced to the division of soul and spirit. It, is, it has discerned our thoughts. It has discerned the intents of our heart, Lord. We thank you for your word. It is love and it is life from you. And God, so today I pray over every person that as they have eyes to see, as they go out to reach people, Lord, that you would take care of every need that they have, that you would take care of restoring relationships, that you would take care of blessing and increasing and restoring finances, that you would take care of jobs that are needed, of homes that are needed, of children that are needed to be saved. God, that you would supply all need that you would take care of all of those needs, all of the fears, the anxieties of life, that that would all be taken care of by our willingness and our obedience to follow you and to go out and testify, to go out and say, God has loved me. So go out and say, God has healed me. To go out and say to whoever you say to, whatever you tell us to say, Lord. Yes. I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you receive that, would you clap your hands together? This is a symbol of agreement, of covenant.